It is Thursday, October 19th, 2023, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. And I'm Timothy Dennis. Today, life after the Office of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion was dissolved at the University of Arkansas. And so for us, it was to continue to work. That's always going to be our grounding principle is that um, no matter what, how do we continue to work, they need to work, the necessary work. Plus, the announced return of AQ Chicken. There were a lot of challenges of being able to preserve AQ where it was. And to be able to kind of reimagine it to to what it's going to be, I think it needs to be moved. And the new art by your parked car in Bentonville. So thinking about this structure being right here, which is very, you know, very geometric uh, and is serving not just Crystal Bridges, but also the Amazium. First, this hour's news from NPR. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art presents Annie Leibovitz at Work. This exhibition includes the photographer's iconic pictures for Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, and Vogue, as well as new portraits made just for Crystal Bridges. Open until January 29th. Tickets at crystalbridges.org. Arkansas Community Foundation has a vision for communities in Arkansas to become the places your kids will want to raise their kids. By strategically funding local nonprofits, ARCF provides not only resources, insight, and inspiration, but also a statewide impact to build better communities. More at arcf.org. This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, October 19th, 2023. I'm Timothy Dennis. I'm Kyle Kellams, and thank you for being with us today. Ozarks at Large is a production of KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Later on today's show, you wouldn't expect a new parking deck near Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art to be just any parking garage, and you'd be right. The new facility opened yesterday with a new sculpture included. More about that in today's second half hour. But first, the Multicultural Center at the University of Arkansas has previously been associated with the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. However, that office was dissolved by Chancellor Robinson in June. Ozarks at Large's Sophia Narani spoke with the head staff members from the center to discuss how their work might look different now. The Multicultural Center at the University of Arkansas is a critical component of the campus community. It supports all students by providing a safe space, regardless of background. I spoke with Adrienne Smith, Brian Hembry, and Enrequez Daniels from the Multicultural Center about the recent dissolution of the DEI office and its potential impact on the MC's mission on campus. What was your initial reaction to Chancellor Robinson's announcement of the dissolution of the DEI division back in June? For me, it's always seek first to understand and then to be understood. So when the initial announcement came out, it was a decision that has been made. What does this um, mean? Um, For me, I've always operated from the standpoint of assessing what is happening, being prepared to to research and to be responsible, and then always evaluating. So for me, people ask, you know, what is the MC doing? We are in the process. And what that means is that we're assessing, uh, we are reviewing um, and researching and evaluating as a part of that process. And so it was no different uh, when the announcement went out um, to start with that philosophical standpoint on my part. Um, what does this mean for us? in terms of how do we navigate that. And so for us, it was to continue to work. That's always going to be our grounding principle is that um, no matter what, how do we continue to work, the need to work, the necessary work um, within the parameters and guidelines that are set forth by policy that is out there as a part of that process. And so we knew that, you know, there would be 
questions, just trying to get the information upon which to be able to uh, address those questions in an authentic um, and truthful way, factually, as we could and can. Um, but also recognizing that Dr. Robinson made it very, very clear that if there were questions and concerns, that he was more than willing to have those conversations. And that's what he has consistently done since that decision was made, um, even coming to the Multicultural Center staff meeting and and having a, a, a sit-down conversation and dialogue to contextualize the decision, um, but also to address any questions and concerns that, that we had as a staff, individually and collectively. I will add that it, naturally we're all just kind of like, shocked, I guess, or like a little nervous too. Um, but like you said, I'm thankful that Dr. Robinson came and provided understanding and clarity for us, like personally. So we really appreciated that. What had to immediately change within the MC whenever this message initially came out? So for us, nothing has changed. It's just, we've always been looked to as the student engagement side um, of, again, however you want to call it, belonging, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, DEI, you know, those are all words that describe the work. What we're focusing on is the actual work of every day providing um, a space where students can come. You know, we have dedicated staff um, who are um, serving and supporting um, students from underrepresented or marginalized backgrounds with a place of affirmation uh, around identities. You know, again, programmatically, uh, we have increased what I would consider the quality. We are trying to provide more experiences as opposed to just programming um, that we want students to walk away feeling a, a sense of belonging as it relates to our heritage months and the programming around that from an educational perspective to ensure that students understand what it means to be culturally competent to understanding what does it mean to create belonging um, as a leader to the arts and cultural aspects that Brian is doing where we've brought in artists. We brought in Dallas um, Ballet um, doing Black History Month again. So for us, the work didn't change as much as it is. What does it mean for us to do the work and how we can go about doing that? And that, for the most part, I can say hasn't really changed. Dr. Robinson was very clear that the staff from DEI would be deployed across campus, you know, into critical areas like HR and other areas where emphasis and focus the work is, was important and is important. And his emphasis that, you know, that work that Adrian speaks about is everyone's responsibility on campus. We're not going to shy away from the work. Um, we're leaning into it and, and we're, we're making very intentional efforts every day um, to ensure that if there's one place on on campus where students feel like they can come and be their authentic self and get their needs met on the multicultural center is definitely that because we are going to welcome all voices presence power of 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 all groups um, especially those that have often been defined as others um, that have been pushed to the margin cast out or silenced the Multicultural Center continues to make efforts to create a sense of belonging at the University of Arkansas, despite the dissolution of the central DEI office. Adrian says it has only brought forth increased efforts from MC staff to endorse and advocate for those directly impacted by the decision. You can find out more about the Multicultural Center and their variety of events and programs by visiting their Instagram, uark underscore mc or by visiting multicultural.uark.edu. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Sophia Narani.
The University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences and the Arkansas Department of Human Services recently announced a $9.5 million mental health grant program. Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore has the details. UAMS and DHS are partnering with two federally qualified health centers to implement the funding in Arkansas. Dr. Tisha Dean is a psychologist at UAMS, and she says this grant funding will help increase the amount of mental health services provided in primary care settings across the state. So it will allow us to increase the number of um, behavioral health team members that we can have in our primary care clinics, and it really provides the infrastructure for us to be able to um, build some really great workflows, to be able to screen Um, in primary care, and then to be able to um, provide um, interventions and to help connect people with um, resources in the community if if they're needed. The program is set to run for five years, and Dean says by the end of that time, she hopes they will have at least 36 primary care clinics equipped to provide a variety of services. To screen and talk really um, robustly about mental health and behavioral health needs. And so that means that whenever many, many Arkansans come into their primary care clinics, their primary care team is equipped to really understand and address their mental health issues. And um, right now we have a few clinics that are able to do that, but um, this is really gonna expand. It seems obvious, but more funding means more patients. Dean says those patients will receive good, evidence-based treatments within primary care. It will also help to um, create better pathways um, so that patients can get into specialty care um, whenever it's needed and also um, create great um, ways of people who are getting better in specialty care to be able to come back to their primary care clinics and get good mental health care. And so that really helps to for us to use our resources wisely and especially to be able to use our psychiatry and mental health resources wisely because we know that that is a really limited resource that we have in the state. The grant funding will also fund the creation of a planning council that will work to provide resources and support to the expanding care model statewide. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Matthew Moore. Ahead on today's Ozarks at Large, we're getting close to Halloween, and we have a story about coming back from the dead that's exciting, not frightening. AQ Chicken, that iconic Springdale restaurant that closed earlier this year, is going to be with us again. We just started talking about it, just what a beloved brand it was. Uh, but it was just at a point in its, in its life that it just needs some new blood. And I told Tom, I said, hey, I'll, I'll leave my name and number at front and we'll just see what happens. The story of how AQ is coming back on this week's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report with Paul Gatling. That's in about six minutes on today's show. A company in Arkansas is being asked by Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders to vacate the state. Syngenta is a seed company which owns 160 acres of land in Craighead County. The Swiss company is owned by a Chinese parent company called ChemChina. In a news conference this week, Governor Sanders said they must leave the state to protect farmers and national security. At the beginning of my term, my administration worked with our partners in the legislature to get hostile foreign entities out of Arkansas. 
I was proud to sign Act 636, sponsored by Senator Johnson and Representative Vaught, banning foreign parties from nine enemy countries from owning agricultural land in Arkansas. In 2021, the Department of Defense put ChemChina on a list of, quote, Chinese military companies. Attorney General Tim Griffin says he has written to the company and plans to take legal action if they're not out of the state within the next two years. Meanwhile, confusion continues over a lectern purchased by the office of Governor Sanders. The lectern's $19,000 price tag has come under fire for being too expensive. It was initially purchased with a state credit card, but then reimbursed after the invoices were publicly requested. Governor Sanders told reporters this week why she thought the lectern had such a high price tag. The height of the podium is specific. I don't know if you've noticed, but women are traditionally a little bit shorter than most of our male counterparts. And uh, so that makes a little bit of a difference, but it also incorporates uh, sound components that make it easier to plug in for multiple media outlets at one time to get uh the best sound quality, I guess, possible for relaying back to TV. And The lectern purchase will be investigated by the Arkansas Legislative Audit. The governor says she welcomes that investigation. City officials in Eureka Springs are considering a new way to manage household trash. Residents have been required for decades to purchase special yellow trash bags at City Hall or the town grocery store at a price of $7 for 20 kitchen-sized bags and $9 for 12 23-gallon bags. Recycling bins are provided at no cost. Simon Wiley is director of Eureka Springs Public Works, and he says the bags are meant to incentivize recycling. I think that it's really played a a great role in that because uh, according to Carroll County Solid Waste, we're one of the higher recyclers within their their region. So uh, it, it works out really well. The monthly residential solid waste fee in Eureka Springs is around $15, allowing households to put out an unlimited number of yellow trash bags on the curb for pickup. The city council is considering an alternative solution, requiring households to purchase either a 35- or 60-gallon garbage cart using conventional bags. Wiley says the carts will reduce, quote, outside trash from coming into the city. One of the council members made a comment that they feel like people outside the city limits are using the yellow bags and then bring them over to a friend or relative's house. Wiley says if the city transitions to garbage carts, he expects more people will recycle aluminum, paper, glass, and plastics to avoid overfilling their carts, which triggers an additional fee. A decision on the new solid waste rule is expected later this fall. College basketball season is approaching, and the 14th-ranked men's Razorback team is picked to finish third in the SEC by members of the press. The men have two exhibition games this month, Friday against UT Tyler, And Saturday the 28th against Purdue. Both of the exhibition games will be played in Bud Walton Arena. The women are picked to finish sixth in the SEC by reporters. The Razorback women open this season Tuesday, November 7th in Bud Walton Arena, hosting Louisiana Monroe. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. By now you have heard that AQ Chicken House is under new ownership and that the famed 76-year-old Springdale Restaurant, which closed in March is going to make a comeback with a new building near the interstate in 2025. Jacob Lively, who is part of the new ownership group, joins us on today's show. That interview, plus a rundown of other recent headlines, are headed your way after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by 
the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Earlier this year, 76-year-old restaurant landmark AQ Chicken House served its final meal in Springdale, or so it was thought. In a surprise twist, a Springdale family plans to revive the business at a new location. Catalyst Capital, that's a single-family office organized this year by Springdale's Lundstrom family, closed a deal in September to buy the rights to the restaurant's name, recipes, and branding. An AQ rebuild is planned on the city's west side along North 48th Street at the Elm Springs Road exit west of Interstate 49. The target opening date is 2025. Catalyst Capital has four principals, Tom and Robin Lundstrom, their daughter Gracie Lively, and her husband Jacob Lively. Earlier this week, I had a conversation with Jacob Lively about how the deal came about, what a reimagined AQ chicken house will look like, and what's next for Catalyst Capital. Explain the family's interest in buying the restaurant, and for those who don't know, um, closed earlier this year, opened in the 1940s, closed earlier this year. Explain how that came about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, if anyone knows Tom, Tom is a Springdale boy through and through and and loves Springdale icons. Mm -hmm. Uh, He and his partner Brian Moore purchased and renovated the Apollo Theater uh, back in, I think that was 2017, did a phenomenal job with it. And that was such a catalyst here in downtown Springdale, in my opinion, of just uh, the revitalization you've seen in that. Uh, but we were in AQ back in 2021, and I was in there with Tom and, and the rest of the family, and we just started talking about it, just what a beloved brand it was. Uh, but it was just at a point in its, in its life that it just needs some new blood. And I told Tom, I said, hey, I'll, I'll leave my name and number at the front, and we'll just see what happens. So that's what I did. Wrote my name and number on the back of a napkin, left it at the front, and said, hey, we have the owner call, give me a call. And first thing, the next one, my, my phone rang, and uh, rang some time to, to meet with the uh, owner and uh, built a relationship with him over the past two years. And, uh, you know, we, we then talked to him. Uh, he let us know about the real estate transactions and closing and, and completely understood um, the offer had been made, and, and it just made sense for him. But I think it also made sense for us. There were a lot of challenges of being able to preserve AQ where it was and to be able to kind of um, reimagine it to, to what it's going to be. I think it needed to be moved. Uh, I think Springdale has moved as well, a lot of action over on the west side and making it more accessible to the broader northwest Arkansas region. Um, and so, yeah, he closed the restaurant earlier this year, sold the real estate, and then we uh, closed on the purchase of the, the brand uh, last month. Yeah, and so you mentioned uh, the change, and but some new ideas and new location, obviously. This is a 76-year-old restaurant we're talking about, yeah. so there's going to be some changes. But what do you want to keep the same about the restaurant? I know that's going to be important as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was visiting with someone yesterday, Paul, and it's like, hey, you can try to recreate exactly what was or you completely reimagine. The hardest thing to do is doing a hybrid of that. But you know what? That's what we're going to try to do, right, is we're going to try to pull out those things that made AQ what AQ was. And I think that starts with, one, just a great atmosphere, a great community, right, of just recreating that, that just place that you walk in, and it feels like home. You're, you're willing to just really kind of let your guard down and just be comfortable. I think that's what AQ starts with. And secondly, just to live in that Arkansas quality product, right, of having fantastic food, service with a smile, um, but then also bridging a gap to kind of this next generation, right? Uh, Gracie and I, we have young children, and I think you'll see a lot of uh, focus on making sure that it's a family-friendly restaurant. I know we talked about, hey, the toy chest is coming back, but we're really <laughs> wanting to take advantage of the beauty of Northwest Arkansas having maybe some outdoor spaces for kids to be able to, to engage and parents be able to kind of just sit back and enjoy conversation with other adults. So we've got a lot of great ideas in the pipeline of really having, trying to, like you said, make this 76-year-old icon be sustainable for the next 76 years by bridging the, the generational divide. Yeah, and I, I, like you said, I bet you're hearing a lot of comments and a lot of questions and a lot of feedback. Here's what I hear the most. Will the food taste the same? Will the over-the-coast chicken be the same? Will that okra taste the same? That's what I hear the most. Can you, can you speak to that and how that's going to translate the menu from the previous to the new location and new ownership? Absolutely. Well, you know, we were in a meeting yesterday talking about some of those fan favorites we've got to make sure to preserve. Um, but also making sure that, hey, it, it, there's a certain taste profile that we've got to be able to, to navigate. Uh, and so, yes, we're going to do our best to recreate it uh, to, to the good old days of what made AQ really special, and that will be our focus. And I will tell you, uh, it is amazing. I have a wait list at this point, Paul, for the taste testers that have lined up to make sure that we're hitting that <laughs> Arkansas quality flavor. I did not get that phone call. Add my name to the list. <laughs> we already had you on it. You're good. We, we Perfect. You up the top, Paul. All right. So besides the restaurant, and you alerted, alluded to this earlier, Catalyst Capital has uh, a few other projects that are that you're working on that you hope will um, complement the the growing active lifestyle here in Northwest Arkansas. Explain what your plans are there. Yeah, absolutely. So we have uh, signed on to be a franchisee with a franchisor called uh, Exponential Fitness. And uh, they are the largest franchisor of boutique fitness brands. And as you said, Northwest Arkansas is just so active, and, and the COVID pandemic just really led people to seeking out these unique fitness opportunities and just the communities they provide. And so we are uh, getting ready to start construction, Lord willing, in the next uh, few weeks on our Yoga 6 studio in Bentonville. Uh, but we'll also be uh, announcing some other brands outside of yoga that we're bringing to the area. Um, and, and those will be, you know, hopefully to have a concept, each one of the concepts in Benton County and Washington County, uh, just real estate up here. The market uh, pushes to Bentonville first with our yoga studio and also have a health and wellness recovery center uh, that, that we are putting in Bentonville uh, called Pause Studio that we're really excited about and uh, we'll be hopefully um, breaking ground on it in the next couple months as well. That is Jacob Lively and he is the chief executive of the holding company Catalyst Capital, which is now the owner of Springdale restaurant brand AQ Chicken House, which is being reimagined and planned for a reopening in 2025. You can find more information in the story on our website at nwabusinessjournal.com or you can visit aqchicken.com. In other news this week, a pair of Northwest Arkansas residential real estate firms are expanding. Flyer Homes in Fayetteville has opened a second office in downtown Springdale. 
Limburg Real Estate Group of Rogers is planning to open a Fort Smith office later this fall. Limburg also opened a Fayetteville office earlier this year. Fayetteville entrepreneur, podcaster, and business coach Randy Wilburn has launched a Northwest Arkansas-focused job board. Wilburn says that Onboard NWA and its platform seeks to streamline the recruitment process by prioritizing local talent and opportunities. And Hank Henderson has died. The former chief executive of America's CarMart retired in 2017 after working for the buy-here-pay-here used car dealer for 30 years. According to his obituary, Henderson died unexpectedly Saturday night at his home on Beaver Lake. He was 60 years old. For more news, visit us online at nwabusinessjournal.com, where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's Thursday. It's the middle of October. And Timothy Dennis, it's still music on the patio season, isn't it? Uh, not as much. Well, I mean, okay. the weather this past week has been a little, a little bit, bit cooler. cooler. Yeah. Uh, I've definitely but, had to layer up in the mornings as I've walked into work. But we do have a home football game for the first time in like four or five weeks. So I imagine yeah. the music scene is. And a not only bit... that, it's homecoming, too. That's right. Let's actually start with the show happening tonight in Fayetteville. Walton Arts Center. And Star mm-hmm. Theater is going to have the Danielle Nicole Band. You think I'm dying and I need, I need you to save me. If you're unfamiliar, Danielle, she's the lead singer, bass player, and a co-founder of the band Trampled Underfoot. Mm. So kind of a big deal. She is playing with her band in Star Theater. Tickets start at $33, and that show starts at 7.30 tonight. Again, that's at Walton Arts Center in Fayetteville. Okay, tomorrow night, George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have a band you might be familiar with. It's a band called Gypsy that was Mm. really big in Fayetteville in the 90s. Yeah, it's a reunion show. It is. Uh, What would you say about them? Ah, boy, at their height, they... They would get in sync. I mean, they could play well together. And it's, you know, just, what do I say, good American music? Yeah. Kind of? Yeah. I got you. Yeah. That show has a $15 cover, gets underway at 9.30 tomorrow night again. That's at George's at Fayetteville. In North Fayetteville tomorrow night, JJ's Live is going to have the EDM and hip-hop group Hippie Sabotage on Mm -hmm. stage. Tickets are $35 in advance. Go up to $40 at the door. That starts at 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at JJ's Live in Fayetteville. Nomad's Trailside in the middle of Fayetteville tomorrow night is going to have a metal, shred, and hardcore show featuring the bands Aster, Tao Lucy, and Protohive. Okay. Ain't no chance for a poor man's reprieve. That show starts at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at Nomad's Trailside in Fayetteville. Happening all the way over in Harrison tomorrow night, the band Magnolia Brown is going to be at the bar Buckets. 
I this is all news to me. It's I all didn't. news to me. Okay. That show starts at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at the bar called Buckets in Harrison. They are also playing at another venue in Harrison Saturday night called JJ's Buffalo Bar. So they're doing the whole Harrison tour right I there. I suppose okay. so. The only uh, venue missing on that tour is uh, the Lyric, I guess. Yeah, exactly. That show Saturday night also starts at 7 o'clock. Speaking of Saturday, let's go ahead and move on to that. JJ's in Springdale is actually going to have the local indie folk band, The Atlantics. Now, never leave. I have seen your purpose, friends. That call take away. You, I control. Stop all that want to hurt us home. Never need to breathe. That show starts at 7 o'clock Saturday night again. That's at JJ's in Springdale. City Sessions in Bentonville Saturday night is going to have a show featuring country singer-songwriter Abby Hamilton. Pat Ryan Key is providing support on that show. Uh, if you want more information about the venue or where it's located, just look up the show on stubs.com okay. or stubs.net. You know what? Go into your search engine, put in stubs. Yeah, it'll, yeah, there it'll you go. take you there. Moving on. Also happening Saturday night, Buddy Shooting the Motivators will be at the Parkhouse Kitchen in Siloam. Oh, okay. We're mentioning some venues we haven't mentioned for a while. Yeah, I like yeah. this. Yeah. That show gets underway at 6 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's at the Parkhouse Kitchen in Siloam. Meanwhile, Got a Hole Brewing in Eureka Springs Saturday night is going to have Junior Soapbox in the house. He's a songwriter from Southwest Missouri. The wind shook that leaf since it fell from the tree, and now it is getting on. And I can't believe how far it has carried me, and it's never done me harm. That show starts at 5 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's at Got a Hole Brewing in Eureka Springs. The Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs Saturday night is going to have Rebecca Jed in the house. She's a country songwriter who's spent some time in Nashville, but she's moved back to Arkansas now. That show starts at 7 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. Back in Harrison Saturday night, the Lyric Theater is going to have Anthony Gomez on stage. Oh, wow. You know about Anthony? Yeah. I mean, he's a guitarist who mixes blues and rock. Tickets start at $20. That show starts at 7 o'clock Saturday night again. That's at the Lyric Theater in Harrison. Moving on to Sunday night. George's Majestic Lounge in Fable is going to have a metal show featuring the bands, all Arkansas bands, okay. Our Wake, Vore, Dirt Mother, and Pyrocratic. Okay. Tickets are $20 in advance. They go up to $22 at the door. That show starts at 7 o'clock Sunday night. Again, that's at George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville. Back over in Siloam Springs Sunday, 
The Parkhouse Kitchen is going to have folk, blues, reggae, and soul artist Colt Ball in the house. He's from northern Missouri, kind of around St. Louis. Okay. I said, listen, put your hand in the mixture, pull it out and paint the bigger picture. And you can see how a single light fixture can domino effect the people to connect it. That show starts at noon Sunday. Again, that's at the Parkhouse Kitchen inside. Noon on Sunday. Yeah, kind of a brunch show. Yeah, I okay. Guess. Yeah. Moving on. Sunday evening, the gravel bar in Eureka Springs is going to have the artist Flamey Grant in the house. Okay. So she is a singer-songwriter drag queen from yeah. North Carolina. Yeah. She was actually the winner of this year's Kerrville New Folk Competition. And has had a track that topped the iTunes Christian charts. Nice! Flamey Grant. You'll never find someone who's more self-aware Unless you look anywhere else No one will ever know a love as big As the love that I have for myself Please note that, you know, normally shows at the Gravel Bar are all ages. This one is a 21 and up. Okay. Affair. Gotcha. Uh, and that show starts at 5 o'clock Sunday evening. Again, that's the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. Jumping ahead to Monday, George's and Fayetteville is going to have the Fayetteville Big Band Jazz Ensemble. Mm-hmm. Should be a really good show. They yeah. always put on a great yeah, show. Do. That gets underway at 7 o'clock Monday evening. Again, that's at George's in Fayetteville. Then Wednesday night, George's is going to have the noisy indie pop band Bully in the house. Oh, I think that's an on-the-map show. It is an on-the-map show. The band's originally from Minnesota. Uh, Tickets are $20. That starts at 8 o'clock Wednesday evening again. That's at George's in Fayetteville. Then Thursday night, George, one week from tonight, one week from tonight, George's is going to have the National Parks on stage. They're an indie folk band originally from Utah. Tickets are $18 in advance, go up to $20 at the door. That is next Thursday night, beginning at 8 o'clock. Again, that's at George's in Fayetteville. Now, that's on National Park Radio. It's no. the National Parks. Although, they do have a very similar sound. Okay, well, uh, good. But, yeah, there you there go. You that's what we have for the All next right. week. Stay warm, Timothy. Yes. Talk to you next week. Howdy, folks. This is Dave Smith, host of Ozark Highlands Radio. We have a very special show this week as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas. We'll hear audio from its 1973 grand opening, as well as interviews of key park figures and commentary by historian and writer Charlie Sandage. That's this week on Ozark Highlands Radio. Ozark Highlands Radio, Saturday night at 6 o'clock on 91.3 KUAF. It's no longer surprising to be surprised by finding art in unexpected places in Bentonville. Yesterday, a new parking garage in the city opened the public, and no surprise, there's art there. A 21-foot-tall sculpture can be found on the second floor. This work, Congruence, is by an artist duo out of L.A. called High by Kozo, which is short for Hyperspace Bypass Construction Zone. 
um, which is a Hitchhiker's Guide reference. That's Alejo Benatendi, curator of contemporary art at Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art, speaking with me yesterday morning. The focus of that work is a series of stacked, multi-sided, six-foot-wide, six-foot-tall golden modules. They're big, heavy metal structures with delicate patterns punched out of the metal on each side. Thinking, and one of the things that really drives their practice, is that they they think about the power of geometry and of mathematics and science as this uh, as this universal language. And so, thinking about this structure being right here, which is very, you know, very geometric, uh, and is serving not just Crystal Bridges but also the Amazium. Um, thinking about trying to find. Uh, this this artist duo who is going to be able to speak to both of those things and speak to both of these places. Officially, these shapes are called truncated octahedron. And it is actually a form that's directly from nature, uh, which you wouldn't think that when you first see it, but it is actually uh, a form that fluorite crystal uh, actually, actually forms into this naturally. And so... They are looking specifically to nature. They're looking to this natural form, making a little uh, crystal reference here. Crystal bridges, we love We love our crystals. Uh, but overlooking this, this giant, uh, you know, the North Forest. And so it's a, it's a perfect placement for it in terms of having this, this nod to, to nature. Congruence is situated on an open patio connected to the second floor of the new parking deck. There are seats and tables for resting and an overlook to allow for viewing of the North Forest and a not-yet-finished plaza. But this is a parking deck. Justin Hirschberger with Marlon Blackwell Architects says the new structure is designed to hold cars, yes, but to not just be a place to hold cars. That's the challenge that Crystal Bridges gave us, really, is to do a parking deck that elevated the everyday. Right, that um, was more than a parking deck and could really be part of the amazing structures that are um, being built here on the campus. Hirschberger says the design of the parking facility created very much with the idea that it was between two museums. He says the variation of materials on the outside is to make sure the garage doesn't deliver some sort of homogenous utilitarian feel. Then on the inside, we have a metal screen um, that's actually lit, so when you come at night, you'll be able to see that lit, similar to the stair, where you can see that kind of subtly changing colors throughout the, uh, throughout the day. And speaking of nighttime parking, the sculpture congruence on the second floor also presents differently after sunset. This is going to be a structure that folks see as they're driving up. And the way that this is placed, when folks are, are driving along or when they come to park here, they see the structure and it becomes kind of a beacon, especially at night, because what happens at night that you can't see right now because we're standing here in the morning is that all of these forms are illuminated. And so they light up and what they actually do is they cast light and shadow uh, all over the space. So they fill the space with geometry and it's beautiful and it is pulling folks in and, and it's pulling folks in in a way that is probably pretty unexpected because, yeah, it's a parking garage. Nobody expects to see to see like big, beautiful artwork in, in a parking garage, but this is this is delivering on that. Leo Benatendi, curator for contemporary art, yesterday morning near the artwork Congruence. You can see it on the second level of the just-opened parking facility between Crystal Bridges and the Amazium. This is Ozarks at Large.
This is Leo Uribe, professor of music and associate dean at the University of Arkansas Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Pinimeter. We open Sound Pinimeter today with Piotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky and his Symphony No. 4, Second Movement, and Dantino in Modo di Canzona. This movement opens with one of the most beautiful oboe solos in the Romantic Symphonic repertoire. In a letter to his patron, Nadezhda von Meck, Tchaikovsky describes this second movement by saying, You feel nostalgic for the past, yet no compulsion to start life over again. Life has wearied you. It is pleasant to pause and weigh things up. As the movement continues, the oboe is contrasted by the strings and its nostalgic theme followed by outbursts of hope. Let us continue listening to this melancholic, simple and reflective movement performed by the Frankfurt Radio Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Carlos Miguel Prieto.
That was an excerpt from Russian composer Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky's Fourth Symphony, Second Movement, and Dantino in Modo di Canzone, performed by the Frankfurt Radio Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Carlos Miguel Prieto. There is something unique about double reed instruments. In the Western tradition, the oboe and the bassoon play important roles in orchestral and chamber music, adding rich colors to the ensemble with their characteristic timbres. Naturally, the repertoire and the role of these instruments in music has evolved with time, as new voices emerge, and in this evolution, sometimes older ideas become new. Those enchanting melodies from Tchaikovsky's Fourth Symphony from our opening piece today were taken to another level by composer Elisa Morris in her work for oboe, bassoon, and piano, Up and Away, The Story of a Balloon, a piece written in 2014. On this work's second movement, Life on a String, the composer plays around with Tchaikovsky's theme, pairing it with other well-known melodies from the classical repertoire and contrasting it with virtuosic jazzy music that connects the past with the present. This movement is about teenage years and angst. The balloon wants to prove that it has its own ideas and plays between molds and expectation and freedom and improvisation. Let us listen to American composer Elisa Morris' Up and Away, second movement, Life on a String, interpreted by Pedro Falcón Oboe, Alexandra Castro Bassoon, and Faranelia Guerrero Piano. Thank you. 
That was Alisa Morris' Up and Away Second Movement, Life on a String, interpreted by Pedro Falcón Oboe, Alexandra Castro Bassoon, and Fanarelia Guerrero Piano. In the ever-evolving world of music, older ideas often find new life and add a refreshing twist to tradition. Today in Sound Perimeter, we listen to excerpts of two pieces separated by more than 100 years and many, many miles. Nostalgia and innovation, where the echoes of the past resonate with a modern audience, creating a profound sense of continuity and reinvigorated conventions. Learn more about the pieces and composers in our show notes. This is Leo Uribe, Professor of Music and Associate Dean at the University of Arkansas Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. Sound Perimeter is a show written and hosted by me and produced by Timothy Dennis, KUAF 91.3 in Fayetteville, Arkansas. This segment is dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. I'll see you soon. Tomorrow on Ozarks, we creep closer to Halloween by learning more about the new ballet, Dracula, here, now. The show opens up with introducing the Count and the Countess. I have a Countess in my production. And um, so we know who they are. They introduce themselves and they're sort of – they have a little bit of a codependency relationship, the Count and Countess. After being around for so many centuries, mm-hmm. one can't deny that. Plus, a conversation with the creator of Goosebumps, R.L. Stein. He's coming to the Fayetteville Public Library a week from tonight, and we'll have a preview on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large. Ozarks at Large is a production of 91.3 KUAF Fayetteville. You can also find our show as a podcast through all major podcast platforms and at KUAF.com. Or you can always ask your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large to hear the most recent edition of the show. And you can find out more about us at OzarksAtLarge.com. Contributors to the program today included Sophie Narani. Matthew Moore, Victoria Hernandez, Jacqueline Froelich, Paul Gatling, and Leo Ribe. Timothy Dennis produced today's show, today's Sound Perimeter, and today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report inside the Herald and Blanchcock News Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio. I did. That was you a lot did. of work. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> uh, we have a show tomorrow. I'll be back with you Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend Ozarks at Large. Timothy? It's going to be a good weekend, I think. It is. I think I'm finally going to get my yard mode after like a month. Bless you. Uh, <laughs> I'm Kyle Kellums. I'm Timothy Dennis. Thanks for being with us.
League of Women Voters of Washington County presents the third annual Dash for Democracy 5K and One Mile Fun Run Walk November 11th at 9 a.m. It takes place at Veterans Memorial Park in Fayetteville. Registration open at lwvarwc.org.